0: 919- Nine, eight, seven, two, seven, thousand. Now, here are Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA Inc., investment
1: advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA Inc., and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. And we are the Lewis family, ready to answer your questions tonight.
2: This is Linda Lewis, and thank you for joining us on Money Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF.
1: And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
3: And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. So Doug, Linda, what would be the worst financial advice to give a college student?
1: Whoa, well, I think just about the worst financial advice you can give to a college student or a college graduate is to buy stocks in companies whose products and services you like. Because on the surface... It sounds so well-intentioned. After all, saving and investing early and, and helping a young investor harness the power of compounding, yeah, it all sounds great. But it takes your focus off of the things that you can control and puts it on the things you can't control, such as individual risk of individual companies.
3: All right, well, I, I guess we ultimately want them, we want to encourage young people with limited interest and knowledge in investing, and yet we don't want them to waste their hard-earned resources and make concentrated bets in investments in firms whose financials they probably don't
1: understand. Yeah, it sounds so good, and many years ago in the 80s, that's exactly uh, what uh, was the advice for people wanting to get into investments, buy stocks in companies whose products and services you like. We've heard it again and again, but that really takes so much risk into your world. You can't control things like the the, the risks of a specific company. So for the vast majority of these students, the path to long-term wealth will include living within their means, a commitment to put away money each year, Allocating those long-term savings wisely among mutual funds. That is, I think, the better advice. The worst advice, buy an individual stock of a company that you like.
2: Right, right. Very good. All right. So basically, uh, what you're saying, Doug, is uh, develop the habit of saving. And you can be on one side of the pendulum with risk, or you can be on the other side.
1: Right. Right. That's right, Linda. I really think it's important. We've had so many people through the years who have been burned out because something went wrong early in their years of accumulation and it just blew out their their whole uh, financial future because something went wrong early. So uh, I, I like taking the safe route. This way, things work.
3: Call me, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management. 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000.
1: Many of our clients and our listeners do have children who are seeking employment. Uh, It could be that you might have a small business yourself and you're thinking of employing your kids. Well, there are several things that face this type of situation. First of all, there's always the question of tax. What about tax savings? You know, if you've got a family business, Employing a child can result in tax savings by shifting income from the parents in a higher tax bracket to children in a low or no tax bracket. Now, a child can make a contribution to a Roth IRA of up to the lesser of 5500 or the amount of his or her income for the year. So, here's an idea for grandparents. Okay. Okay. So, so- the grandparents make gifts to their grandchildren by contributing to a Roth IRA for the grandchildren equal to whatever the child earned on his W-2. Well, the real power
3: is, imagine the head start an early Roth IRA can give a child in his or her own retirement planning. You know, plus, a Roth IRA is an overlooked vehicle for education savings. There's a special rule for Roth IRAs that allow withdrawals to come first from principal. And withdrawals of principal are
1: tax-free. These are ideas for employing children, and for helping children get a head start on their. And attention.
3: you know, this advice is coming up so and more, so, so so much more frequently because there are young people who are either listening and calling in and asking their own questions. Uh, adult children who are taking over parents' client, current clients uh, might be elderly parents and then their children, and then their children are getting involved. So we're seeing multi-generational financial planning happening, but there are more young people who I believe are interested in seeing the compounding interest uh, apply to their own little investment. $100 a month adds up over 10 years.
1: It's amazing how often children are coming up in client meeting discussions we're having. I'm thinking of the clients that we met with, I think it was either Thursday or Friday. We were just getting their world laid out to begin a financial plan. And lo and behold, one of the first questions was, if something happens to us, what about our children? Mm-hmm. Right away. Will
3: will will you be able to continue working with them?
1: That was the and, question.
3: And you know and, and educate them and along the way and even you know as they as they get older, you know, can they come in and and start learning more about this from us? And and of course that's our joy. If you'd like further information, call us at 919-872-7000 or go to our website. DougAndLinda.com
1: That's DougAndLinda.com Let's take Jerome's call. Jerome, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can we help you this evening?
4: Good evening. I uh, uh, love your show. Appreciate the work you all do for a buzzer that's been doing so many years. Can you hear me okay, Doug?
1: A little louder. Yeah, go ahead. Try it again.
4: I'm on a cell phone or a band connection. Just this any better?
1: Uh, that's better, yes.
4: Alright, my question is I was listening to the show earlier. My question is, uh, which of um, a retired senior uh and say financially stable, uh, but with a large windfall about to be received. A seven figure windfall, matter of fact. Actually, I wanna set up uh or prepare for the for the college education of my five grandchildren, they range from 14 years old to four months old. I think about setting up a trust and employing the child. I'll be the guarantor of the trust. Make the parents the uh, what the um, trustees of the trust, and the child the beneficiary of the trust, and the pay each child to the beneficiary of the trust uh, for working for doing some work. Pay each child $500 a month.
1: Well it, yeah it, that's that's not that's not bad uh, it's not going to address the major issue of the you know seven figures that you know you can't go ahead and get that kind of money into a child's uh, Roth but what you may be interested in Jerome and we have had one of uh, two of these in the last couple of weeks in our office where clients have desired to set up what we call a children's trust and a children's trust which can also be a grandchildren's trust can work in such a way that you design it so that they get either a fixed dollar amount up until certain ages and then a piece of the corpus, let's say 100,000 or 200,000 goes out when each one of them reaches, let's say, age uh, 35 or 40 or 45 You can design, and when we do these in our office, Jerome, we put a lot of little special uh, bells and whistles according to what the client wants for each of the grandchildren. Uh, Now, you, you can do that. You can make it either a living trust or you can make it a testamentary trust. The one you're describing is a living trust. And, and uh, without getting too complicated over the air, there are pros and cons of doing it with a living trust or a testamentary trust. If
3: all of the grandchildren don't choose to go to college, you, you may want to come up with a backup plan as to, well, if I have a pot of a million dollars and it needs to provide an education for...
1: Ages four months to 14
3: years. Yeah, exactly. So if it needs to provide education for five grandchildren over different time frames, what you're going to want to do is probably keep the million intact and have it be available to each child as they go to college. This is Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management. Our number at the office is 919 872 7000. Call me at 919 872 7000.
4: Yeah, I understand. I understand it's much too complex
1: to. to uh. Well, there is one thing on the there. paying of the child. Yeah, and, and I. And yeah, I yeah, there yeah, and, yeah, there is one thing. Yeah, there is one thing I didn't touch when we talked about employing the children. The wages paid to the child must be reasonable for the services performed. Oh, okay yeah that is one of the tests that's one of the tests that is there. but uh, Jerome, I'd love to meet with you if you uh, have yes. been to our website, then of course you know if not, go to our website dougandlinda.com. If oh, yeah. you'd like to schedule a time to come on in and meet with us, I'd oh, love yeah. to go ahead and show you how we can put some real bells and whistles on trying to achieve what you're doing to, what you're looking to achieve. I think it would be very it'd be a fun plan to get into
2: How, how old did you say you were, Jerome? I'm 68. Okay. And are you married? No, no. Uh, okay. long, long,
4: long, long, long ago divorced.
2: Oh, okay. So you're single. Yeah. And you have your grandkids. And so are you retired now?
4: Yes, retired and disabled.
2: Oh, okay. Yes, sir.
4: But, uh, well, there are five grandkids, as I said, about 14 years down to four months. And the reason for this is that the four month and the four year old. Uh, I have a hard time talking about paying them $500 a month, because
1: doing the work wouldn't I think? Yeah. <laughs> right, but I, yeah. th- I think, <laughs> I think I, I've got some other ideas that are yeah. running around in my head. Uh, Yeah, I'd like to meet with you, I'll Jerome. Make a, I'll make
4: an appointment. And one other thing, let me say this while you move on to some others, so we pass another caller.
1: All right.
3: Thank so you guys. so much. Yeah, Jerome, give us a call at 919-872-7000. And thank you so much for calling, Jerome. You have a wonderful week.
1: You know, I appreciate Jerome's responding to that issue. And of course, there is always the question when you're talking about doing Roths for children, there's also, for college uses, there's also the question of, well, what about 529 plans? And compared to the 529 plan, the Roth IRA offers more flexibility in that it's not required to be uh, used for college, uh, whereas the 529 does have uh, more control. There are pros and cons of each of them. And quite frankly, we do all of them in our office. We recommend 529s in some cases. want to be very careful about the 529 plans because they very often have certain uh, restrictions on what kinds of investments that you can use. Some of the 529s I've seen state by state I dislike very well, much.
3: In addition, they're, they're also just restricted for qualified college expenses. That's so right. you've... Whether or not the child ends up going to college or that particular type of educational route, you know, route, it might, it might not qualify. Five twenty nines are are definitely there uh, and available. Roths are, I think we were we were referencing them in comparison too. But um
1: yeah, depending on the client, in some cases I like the 529s, others I really do not. The 529 you know, gives you control because you can take the money back out again. It's yours. You
3: know, and I've got to back into it and just say, you know, a lot of times saving for college doesn't put, mean putting stuff into a college saving fund.
2: It Sometimes doesn't have to be a UTMA you, or a UGMA account, right?
3: Well, that adds a whole nother level. I wasn't even thinking of that. But what I was really thinking was is sometimes you don't want to let the tax tail wag the dog and there may not be a need to have a tax deferred account to save for college. And I guess it's, you know, it's it's again backing into it saying, well, you can often just save for the child's college and not have it have a tax advantage to it. Exactly. Each person's situation is going to be very different.
2: And. Isn't it true that some of our clients have, um, what some of our clients have done is earmark dollars in a particular account for the use of child's college expenses, whether or not, you know, some children are so bright that they're going to get a scholarship and they don't need that money. So you can keep that for your
1: retirement. You know, Linda, I really like the fact that you're bringing up this point because I like if at all possible, I like to have the client keep control. And but by the same token, as you said, we can earmark a certain investment, a mutual fund, let's say, of a client, and we could put a name on it. We call it it's designated for college expenses for my children or my grandchildren or for Abby or whatever. On the other hand, if Abby decides that she wants to be a groupie running around the country following the the latest rock band and everything, then God bless Abby, but I'm going to have the money for my client's (laughs) retirement.
3: (laughs) Well, I'll add another level to that. Even aunts and uncles will often say, I don't really want to give up control. I'd like to help the kids, but just in case I need this for my own retirement. And so they are sometimes motivated to not contribute to a 529 or a Roth IRA or an UTMA or an UGMA and just keep control. So there's a balance as there isn't everything between what you want to give up and what you want to gain. And I guess the most important thing is make sure you're saving. That's right. You know, get in the habit. That's right. So if, if, if you're saving for the child's college expenses and you have further questions in regard to whether or not it's a 529 where you should be placing it, an UPMA account or outright and just held in your name, give us a call during the week at 919-872-7000.
1: And of course, those clients that come to visit us this coming week, we will again be giving free books to you if it's your first appointment, either the book called Your Money Matters because your financial future is at stake. Or middle-class millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Or the wealthy barber. Or the wealthy barber. Or or
2: simple wealth, inevitable wealth. There There we go. go.
1: (laughs) All right. So we have books for you if you're coming to see us this week.
2: What's new in the world of retirement planning?
1: Well, there was an interesting article that really was focused on being prepared for your next act. And uh, the preparation for your next act really brought us down to six questions people should ask before they retire. And those six questions boiled
3: down to, let's see here, when do you want to retire? Have you accumulated enough money? Where do you want to retire? What's your social security strategy? What's your investment approach during retirement? And what will you do with the money in your 401k when you retire?
1: Yeah, and I really liked the article because if, if, if you're nearing retirement, you already might be picturing yourself traveling cross-country, relaxing on a beach, hitting the the links. But before you move on to this next act in your life, you need to be ready to answer these questions. So let's take a look at those six questions, Deborah. The first one: What was it again? Uh, when do you want to retire? Yeah, that's an interesting question, because for nearly a century through the 1980s, work activity among older people declined. Since then, though, more people of retirement age have remained in the workforce. So this working retirement trend has been spurred by a number of factors, including the shift away from traditional pensions. They've pretty much disappeared. Improved health and less physically demanding jobs. So... It's interesting, when you want to retire, the vast majority of current workers do plan to continue working for pay in their retirement. Now, many are going to do it for positive reasons, because they just enjoy it, or the camaraderie amongst their co-workers, their their peers, Mm -hmm. or maybe just a sense of purpose in their life. But answering the question, when you want to retire, uh, is important, because some will have to work to meet their own expenses Delaying retirement is going to give more years of earning on income, additional years to save, and have fewer years of withdrawing money, but it is the first question that's got to be addressed, and with the help of a certified financial planner, it's one of the first things we always bring to to the table.
3: Well, that's a good first question to ask yourself. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call to make an appointment with Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call 919 872 7000 or visit our website, dougandlinda.com. How about number two? Have you accumulated enough money? So, to help, uh, you know, retirees determine.
2: If your savings can stand the test of time, it's important to work with a certified financial planner that can help you look if you're a pre-retiree or if you're even if you're just still working and you want to know, how much do I need, how much have I accumulated thus far, and how much will I need to have a comfortable life when I do retire?
3: That's right. I guess the next question is, where do you want to retire? About a third of people retiring plan to move to another state at retirement. Deciding to locate is a big decision that involves careful planning. So you'll want to consider the cost of living since moving to a more affordable area could help stretch your nest egg out. You need to look at property taxes, local and state income and sales taxes, the opportunities for work in that area, access to health care, and then, of course, proximity to proximity to the activities
1: that you enjoy. Yeah, this preparation of moving into the next stage of your life and what state, what, what state or place to retire to, it comes up quite a bit in our data gathering meetings with retire, pre-retirees. Uh, some of them want to move to the beach. Some want to move to the mountains. Some ask the question, should I move to Florida and avoid state income taxes? Uh, and, and we have had... Yes, yes, and yes, all, all of them. But it is important to know where you want to retire and answer that question. Now, the fourth question I think you mentioned, Deborah, was what's the Social Security strategy? Yeah. And that Social Security strategy uh, is a big deal because Social Security replaces about 40% of an average wage earner's income during retirement. That means that personal savings and investments are going to need to make up the bulk of retirement income. So uh, that strategy that you have, and of course, I don't expect you to do it on your own because that's one of the reasons people ask us, what's the best strategy? You can apply for early benefits, that's age 62, or for full benefits, you can wait until age 70. But to get a sense of your benefit options, you need to really discuss the pros and cons of each of these with your certified financial planner.
3: True, another huge area is what are you going to do with your investments during retirement? You know, saving until you get to retirement is is totally different than where you want your investments invested afterwards. Once you leave the workforce, the paychecks will stop. So you'll need to turn your nest egg into a source of income. And this can be a huge... Um, uh, conundrum for most people here we are our, our advice of course is to give us a call 919-872-7000 during the week meet with us we're certified financial planners and uh, if you have a question tonight call us tonight with that question Doug what would be the last question that you would say is most important to ask uh, before you retire and to be prepared for this next act of your life
1: yeah, I think it it becomes the most important one for many people, and that's, what do I do with the money in my 401k plan? Now, rolling over the balance of the 401k into an IRA allows you to continue the benefit of tax-deferred growth. That's important. If you have accounts with previous employers, keeping track of them can be difficult, so uh, we always advise clients to consolidate under the roof of one Uh, custodian for an IRA, but not one that has uh, any products to offer you. You want an independent IRA custodian. So I think these six questions, preparing for the next stage of your life, I really enjoy the focus on these six questions. And of course, that's what we do every day in our office with our clients. That's right.
3: Bottom line, it's going to be complicated and messy and planning for retirement is complex. So give us a call at Lewis Financial Management. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call to make an appointment with Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call 919-872-7000 or visit our website. DougandLinda.com.
1: All right, let's take Dorothy's call. Dorothy, this is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. How can I help you?
5: I asked, what was the difference between a short term note issued by a bank, buying that, or buying
1: a bond? In a sense, they're the same because they're IOUs. Yeah. Are they different kinds of bonds? Are you talking about a treasury bond?
5: Probably municipal. Put it that
1: way. All right. Well, a municipal bond is a bond that is an IOU guaranteed by a municipality like uh, a state or a highway department or a school district or a hospital and right. so on. Right. Th- those are municipal bonds. They, they pay tax-free interest. Right. Uh, and a short-term note, they come in different forms depending on who, who issues them. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, and I'll see if I can tell you what I think is suitable. How old are you? Sixty-eight. You're sixty-eight. You married a single... Single. Single. And what is your income right now, Dorothy? Maybe four hundred thousand. Where's the income coming from? Investment. Now if your investment income is four hundred thousand dollars, I oh, no, may- I mean that's investment, not income. Oh, okay. I was gonna say that would have been, you know, about an eight million dollar investment portfolio. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, if you've got a four hundred thousand dollar portfolio, uh, then the question is: Is that your total source of income yourself plus your Social Security? Right. All right. So, do you know how much income that's giving you? About. Uh, about twenty five. Yeah. About yeah. twenty five thousand. What What does it look like right now? What is your income? What is, What does is the portfolio look like? Do you know what you're invested in? Very diversified. It's in municipals, and
5: it's in some stock. Not not a lot, but some growth stock. Uh-huh. Municipals, and uh, I can't think what else. A lot.
1: Well, personally, I think that you should have an asset allocation model applied to your portfolio. That's the first thing. In other words, you should have a system that is controlling your portfolio in terms of how it's diversified. The second thing, I don't think that you should be in individual stocks or individual municipal bonds. Do you know what your living expenses are running you? Uh, not exactly. Do you spend all of the 25000 Pretty much. Yeah. Well, if she's using all of her investment income, Linda, then she's really depriving herself of any compounding effect on her estate. And what she should do, I would think, what I would prefer to see is have her in, if she wanted municipal bonds, I'd rather she be in municipal bond mutual funds. Uh, because then as the money is moved, there are no commission charges. Afterwards, if she goes from one to the other. Of course, if, if she sells one municipal bond or if one matures, she has to pay commissions again. Right. Uh, also, the individual stocks trying to play the stocks. Uh, who makes the decisions of when to buy and sell a stock? Well.
2: Is your portfolio under management or something? Yeah. yeah, that's what I figured. You've got someone doing asset management. Which you probably, I would agree with Doug that you need an asset allocation model.
1: You could be getting more income and more growth probably than what you're doing now. And as far as short-term bonds, uh, I mean, short-term term notes, notes or bonds, I don't think either of those is what I would do for a person with with your income and with your and with your age. Okay.
2: Okay, And if you have any other questions, uh, feel free to call us at the office at nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. Okay, well, thank you. Thank and thanks for calling, Dorothy. Well, Doug, uh, let's take Nancy's call.
1: Hi, Nancy. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? Hi.
6: Thank you for taking my call. All right. Um, I won't bore you with all the gory details, but my husband and I kind of got started late um, in our financial planning um, just by just some some, um, some things that happened. But anyway, um, what I want to ask you is, we have two homes. We have one, a vacation com- home, and then just our primary residence. And I wonder, how far smart is that to let real estate be part of your financial planning for the long term? Like well, we're thinking that, you know, if we had to later in life, we could sell one of the homes and we would have that money and maybe it would appreciate through the years.
1: Boo. Bad is move. That,
6: that doesn't make sense.
1: Bad move. Okay. Um, let's, let's get a little closer though into some numbers. For some people, it's fine, but my knee-jerk reaction is boo, bad move. Okay. Uh, let's take a look at some numbers. How, how old are you? I'm 40. 40 years old. How old is your husband?
6: He's 44.
1: Husband's 44 and wife is 40. Uh, Any children at home? Yes. How Two teenagers, 13
6: and 16.
1: Two teenagers. Income of the husband?
6: Uh, About 45.
1: 45. Income of the wife?
6: About 35.
1: 35. 70, 80,000 combined Mm -hmm. income. Investment portfolio, what does it look like on the non-retirement investments?
6: It's pretty low. We Mm -hmm. have about 5,000 in stocks. And bonds and we only have a 500 in savings.
1: Okay, so and basically, reason, okay, so basically, no investment portfolio. What about on the retirement side?
6: Um, I have a retirement at work and I think it's maybe like maybe 46, something like
1: mm-hmm. that. And husband's retirement plan, he has nothing, no retirement mm-hmm. plan. Okay, um, let's go over to the residence. How much is the residence worth?
6: Um, each one is worth about one hundred
1: twenty.
6: One hundred twenty thousand. One of them we just bought. Okay.
1: So and uh, what's the equity in the vacation home?
6: It's twenty thousand.
1: All right, twenty thousand equity. So you had twenty thousand dollars to invest uh, somewhere, and you put it in the vacation home. Right. Okay. Well, uh, you're right. Um, when you began by telling me you, you know, it's not a real pretty picture. Mm-hmm. Uh It's really an accident waiting to happen, and it scares me looking at a situation like this. Uh, Bottom line is you've got an $80,000 income. You certainly can't afford to maintain two mortgages, and you shouldn't maintain two mortgages, and there's no reason to. Uh, Real estate uh, certainly should not be part of your investment portfolio by any means, Uh, and basically you uh, uh, you should be focusing on accumulation as rapidly as possible, under the means of what we call a pay-yourself-first plan. Call me,
3: Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management. Call me at 919-872-7000, 919-872-7000.
1: What are your living expenses, Nancy?
3: Uh, about what
6: we make.
1: You're spending 80000 a year?
6: Yeah, because we have two homes, and the problem is... No,
1: forget, okay, now, what's the mortgage in the second home?
6: Um, it's about 1000 a month.
1: 1000 a month. So what you're telling me is that if you didn't have that vacation home, you could invest 1000 a month plus have 20000 as a starter kit. Right. Well, that's what you should do.
6: But yeah. the problem is we have a feeling that if we sold the home, we would lose our shirt. Tough. That's why I'm thinking
1: nope. that we should hang on to it. Wrong. Okay. Wrong move. Wrong move. You see, you have $120,000 uh, thing that you've got there, but you've got an $80,000. No, you've got a hundred thousand dollar debt. Right. Well, if all it means is when you say lose your shirt, you might lose your 20,000, Right. but yeah. you're not going to lose. But, but I don't like you sitting there with virtually nothing in savings. Your husband having a zero retirement plan, you having barely nothing in your retirement plan, two teenagers at home. And, uh, you are saying that, I could be investing at a thousand a month into mutual funds, but uh, I'd rather have an IOU of a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, well we wouldn't
6: rather have it. We just have a feeling that it might be hard to get rid of.
1: Well, I'd get rid of it anyway. Okay. I'd get I'd get out of it and I'd do just the same thing as if you bought it bought yourself a, a stock and it was down twenty thousand and you lost. Well you lost and go on.
6: All right. So but just you cut but our losses.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I definitely would try and get yourself into, you've got to be accumulating. Right. You see, you have, what you must reach is a point where you have an accumulated portfolio of investments equal, the income from which is equal to your lifestyle. So if you're spending, uh, let me see, I wonder what your expenses are without the taxes and without the the, um, the one mortgage. Let's say that maybe you're spending about 60000 a year, uh-huh. okay? Well, that means you need roughly, uh, say, 700000 in an investment portfolio. Okay. Because that could produce the 60000 a year income, which would give you the security that you're after. Okay. And the only way you're going to get it is, and the good thing is, you're only 40 years old. Mm-hmm. You do have 20 years compounding in front of you. Of course, the, the risky thing is also that somebody could lose their job. Right. And so, you know, I, I, my advice would be, you know, down and dirty. Get put it up for sale. Get rid of it immediately. Yeah. And uh, if you come out having lost your twenty thousand, uh, okay, you lost your twenty thousand. At least you can invest a thousand a month for the next twenty years. Right. Uh, and that would be a large, large number, by the way. Well,
6: you know, just to kind of, I guess, paint a better picture. Our strategy was we thought, okay, we'll buy this house it'll be paid for in 15 years because we have a 15 year mortgage and this will be our what's this where we'll, we'll we'll retire there but you know what it's going to be too much house for us and too much yard and it's like we Besides, won't Besides
1: what good does it do to retire and have a house paid for and have no food in the refrigerator right. or in the kitchen I know. you can't eat that house Yeah financial security isn't the home financial security is the uh the the income stream that supports the lifestyle so many people have that confusion they think if they're going to have that big house with brick and mortar paid for right? but that's not financial security.
6: Right. Okay. Well, thank you. That's You're kind sure of what welcome. we've been thinking, and you've confirmed that for us.
1: Good for you, Nancy. Thank you.
6: Okay, and good if I, Nancy,
2: if I can send you any uh, information that we have, I'll be happy to do so if you'll just call me at the office. Okay, what's that number? And that number in Raleigh is 872-7000. It's USA 7000. Thank you very much. All right. And I'd like to hear
1: the day you get the house sold. You call me on the air and let me know you did it. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Good luck. Thanks.
2: You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family. That's Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. Well, that was certainly an interesting call, wasn't it, Doug and Deborah? Yeah,
1: I I think Nancy's situation is not. Uh, uncommon it's, it's not on it's not not a, it's not uncommon you're right Linda and also I'm not terribly uh, distraught about it because she's so young only 40 years old there's about 25 years between her and retirement age
2: well I appreciated the tone of her voice was was that this is a learning moment for us because sometimes when you're young you may make decisions that maybe didn't work out in your best interest. But if you can put the brakes on the situation and move in a different direction where you're able to
3: capture those funds and redirect them, right Debs? That's right. I mean, you can can decide uh, early on to do something that later on you get advice on and you realize, you know I probably should have done things differently. And when you do, and you, you do turn that corner and you move away from, for example, in this situation, having an IOU of a 100,000 to just getting rid of it and removing it and immediately beginning to improve your situation by having $1,000 dollars a month be invested, that's, that's a huge amount of time. That's 25 years
1: at $1,000 dollars a month. You are absolutely right for the young ones. It's a learning moment.
2: Let's make some lemonade out of a lemon situation. (laughs) We are located in Raleigh, North Carolina. And if you would like to schedule an appointment, call us at Lewis Financial Management. We'll be happy to take uh, your number and call you back. Or if you leave us your information or if we are able to speak with you, we'll be happy to send you an introductory packet so we can start your checklist And visit our website at DougAndLinda.com, and we're so happy that you're joining us
3: on Money Matters. Well, Doug, Linda, on the other end of the spectrum is, well, what if I didn't get started in time? And I found an article I thought might be helpful in regard to, well, what if I need to retire in 10 years? You know, you might be uh, a youngster pushing financial uh, independence or a saving slacker who is eligible for AARP membership, and it is still possible to get the job of planning for retirement done in about a decade.
1: Yeah, and, but no one says it's going to be easy. Saving enough money to leave the workforce in 10 years requires grit, determination, and more than that, it takes a serious resolve to avoid spending money. And most people will not be disciplined or committed enough to make it happen on their own. Yeah, this is where you really need a certified financial planner. That's right. And that's what we do. That's We help you stay with the disciplines that you set up. You know, some clients have attempted to make the sprint to retirement in 10 years, and they have lived to tell us about it. <laughs> they really and, have. It, and, and they say it's a wonderful feeling of satisfaction when you get there. We made it. We're financially independent. That's right, because nothing feels as good as being financially
3: independent.
1: That's right. Save a lot and your life can change radically. There's no doubt about it. Now, let's say a person could save $50,000 a year, then you can accumulate in those 10 years almost three quarters of a million dollars with a 7% return. Let's throw in an extra 10,000 a year and now you're moving over $900,000 in your 10 year period.
3: Wow, now, okay, let's say I want, I know I now want to retire in 10 years but I
1: don't know where to start. Where should I start, Doug? Yeah, this is the crucial area. Where do you start? First of all, with the help of a certified financial planner like ourselves, compute your RMEs, we call them, your recurring monthly expenses. And then what your monthly surplus is going to be at the end of this computation, have that money sent into a mutual fund each month at the beginning of the month by what we call pay yourself first. So I
3: invest at the beginning of the month, I've set aside my excess cash flow on a monthly basis, I then pay my bills, and I go on with life.
1: That's right, so often people are just committed to working and spending during the month, and at the end of the month they're gonna go ahead and invest, and they find out, gee, too much month, not enough money. We wanna reverse this process. We want to have you invest by paying yourself first at the beginning of the month and live on what's left over.
3: Right. You
2: know, I've spoken to some uh, some young young people or you know young young adults, and especially the newly You know, it's like uh, uh, we got all the 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 uh, the big people uh, fun things that you buy. You know, uh, the new iPad, the the new the bicycle, the, you know, whatever it is that you're buying, the new uh, equipment or your headphones. And then after you have all these things, then it's like, uh uh-oh, maybe we better put the brakes on the spending because we got all this stuff and we have, like you said, Doug, nothing to show for it at the end of the month. But then when you regroup and you look at a budget or you look at... we have a comfortable income, maybe we should start saving. And
1: it's a wonder what happens. It is. The way to make it happen is start it at the beginning of the month. The same way you do your 401k, you tell your employer take a certain amount out of my paycheck and put it in my retirement account. You do the same thing on your own into a personal account with the help of your certified financial planner. And that way, working and saving like a maniac, although it may not sound like a lot of fun, it will pay off as your net worth increases exponentially. The day that you feel that you have made financial independence, that's going to be the proverbial cherry on top.
3: Absolutely. And you know, there is nothing more rewarding than being able to say you're able to turn on the spigot from your investments and be retired or not. Income is not necessary. You can keep doing what you'd like to do or not. It's the options. If you need help, call me, Deborah Lewis, 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000. Well, Doug, Linda, we get a lot of estate planning questions, of course. That's a big part of our practice. And a lot of people will come in saying, I don't want anything complicated. I just want a simple will. And we know we hear that a lot. Uh,
1: When you hear the, I only want a simple will, what the client really means is, I want a cheap will. That's (laughs) right. (laughs) They don't want to pay a lot for the legal advice or the preparation of those elaborate documents But the reasons that you may need more than just a simple will, according to what people tell us, is, you know.
3: Your assets just aren't as straightforward or your family situation as ordinary as you think. You know, stuff just always comes up in that conversation, doesn't it? It's, it's kind of funny. There's the half interest in a summer cabin in another state that you you didn't really think about, or the oil and gas interests in two other states, or the closely held family corporation that is worth somewhere between, oh, I don't know, they'll often say, I don't know, somewhere between 1000 or $10 million, <laughs> and well, that's a big range. And then there's the family situations. You know, the one child has a developmental disability, another a drinking problem, and the third is married to a spendthrift. But they'll say, oh, we're just going to disinherit one, split things between the other, and trust that everything works out. Well, this never does. (laughs) And it causes a lot of chaos when we're talking about
1: estate planning. Yeah, we need to figure out at least some of the possible issues during the data gathering meetings that we have with the clients.
3: So why do we even care about what assets people own. Well, we need to know about your assets to figure out whether you have an estate tax issue. And although we're not preparing the documents, we're going to help you figure out which ones you need. So um, sometimes issues, for example, while we don't have a state tax in North Carolina, you might own property in another state where they do have an estate tax.
1: Yeah, that summer cabin in another state, that might impose one. And then maybe you forgot to add in the face value of your life insurance policies. Oh, that's a common one. And what about the trust your grandfather left you, which you don't think of as yours? You know, all these questions, they need to be brought to the surface and discussed. And one of the principal questions we're going to be talking about with the clients when they meet with us is whether you should have a living trust, a revocable living trust.
3: Yeah, this is going to deal with incapacitation and privacy and by the end of our initial conversation and and all the ones afterwards, what we're able to really do is help you outline do you need simple wills? Do you need trusts? Do you need financial powers of attorney? Do you need health care powers of attorney? Do you need living wills, pro, you know, provisions to be in those health care power of attorneys? Or do you need an, an instruction letter that for special things in your situation? These are all the types of things that get brought up in a state document. And sometimes you even need a special
2: need trust if you have a development good call Linda. disabled child so whatever your situation is write your questions down and call us at Lewis financial management at 919-USA-7000 that's 919-872-7000
1: Bobby this is Doug Lewis certified financial planner how can I help you
5: yes Doug. my husband just passed away and I'm wondering about the life insurance is it taxable
1: the uh, beneficiary uh-huh. proceeds uh-huh. no they are not income taxable is uh-huh. that what you're asking about on the right. income tax mm-hmm. i'm sorry to hear that uh what, i guess um, our
2: condolences bobby well, thank you what happened
5: Uh cancer big
2: oh. <laughs> C. Oh,
1: wow geez. so how have you been left are you are you in in, in all right shape or
5: yes uh, we have a uh, small business and you know i'm i'm financially okay mm-hmm. now my next question on this could i take this and put it in mutual funds uh, in my children's name, and then if I need the money, you know, the revenue that it, or the income that it draws, could I take this uh, later on down the line myself, and then...
1: Well, let me ask you a couple it. of questions here. Uh, first of all, give me some idea about your own income. About what is your income going to be now, do you know? Uh,
5: about 50000 a year.
1: All right, you'll make about 50000 a year, and how many children do you have? Well, two, and they're grown. All right, two grown children. Right. Okay. Uh, why would you want to put the, in, the, the insurance uh, proceeds in the, ch- in the children's name?
5: Uh, well, I figured if I put it there, then later on, at my time of death, there would not be any problem as transferring it over.
1: All right. Uh, how much is the insurance?
5: let see. There'll be about 60000
1: The first question you asked me is, can you get access to it if you put it in the kids' names later on? The answer to that question is no, you can't. Okay. can uh, You've made a gift. Uh, the second question is, why would you want to do it? Um, It, it doesn't make sense to put things in children's names when you're, uh, how old are you, in your 50s? I'm 55. 55. Well, you may have another three decades to live yourself. Mm-hmm. An awful lot can happen in 30 years. That means that you need to look out for you. If you set up a revocable living trust, that number at the office, by the way, is Nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand, and put all of your assets, including this sixty thousand that you just had, in the name of this revocable living trust. And then at that that what that means is at your death, it would be immediately transferred without any time delay. However, you desire desi- desired it to go. Mm-hmm. So the the question of of letting of being able to let it pass to the children easily is immediately solved using the revocable living trust strategy. Mm -hmm. But I would definitely not put anything in the children's names. Okay. In the revocable living trust, you can designate how much will go and what specific investment, if you want, will go to which child. You can say it will not go to a spouse if that child is divorced or going through a divorce. You can make it as restrictive or as permissive as you want.
5: Okay needed
1: yeah okay and those are different trust provisions that you can write into the revocable living trust document Mm -hmm. and and yet you control it all during your lifetime which is my main concern
2: your children have many more years than you will ever have to accumulate particularly since your husband is no longer with you and and you know and i don't i don't think it's selfish to think that you need to think of yourself first bobby um and I'm glad that, you know, you have enough skill and, and probably wisdom in, in being able to continue the business since your husband is not with you. But consider that and, and if you'd like, you know, to call our office, um I'll be happy to give you the number. We could send you some information. Okay. That number in Raleigh is nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. That's USA seven thousand. So I would, I would write down your questions, and then uh, it might be advantageous for you to work with a planner that can help you, you know, work through all of this. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling. Thank you.
1: Well, that's all the Money Matters we have time for today. So we want to thank all our listeners for joining us. And for any other questions you may have, call my office during the week, and we'll set up an appointment to meet with you personally. That number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. And we'll be back next week on this same station at the same time. In the meantime, have a great week. And remember, your money matters because your financial future is at stake.